Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Today, we have a Q&A, and we tackle quite a bit. We talk about reefy days, even when you're not tracking macros and whether or not that's a good choice. We talk about what to do when you lose your cycle and how to gain that back with recovery and reverse dieting. Uh, we talk about what to do during COVID-19 and trying to build muscle. We talk about aerobic conditioning during muscle building phases. We really tackle a ton of stuff related to body composition today. So I think this is going to be a really applicable training and nutrition conversation. And then at the very tail end, we do get into a personality discussion about the ultimate round table to eat dinner with and who we would want to sit by and eat dinner with at a table where we can choose anybody in the world that are alive. Really interesting conversation. Um, I think you guys are going to enjoy this. If you like this show, please do me a huge favor. Leave us a five-star rating and review. Also, please take a screenshot of this episode, head over to Instagram, post it on your story and tag myself at Cody.BoomBoom. And last but not least, give our sponsors a support by heading over to topnotchnutrition.com slash boomboom or click the link in the show notes. Um, You can get anything from them at a 10 to 15% discount if you use my link in the show notes, guys. So hook yourself up with some supplements that are the best in the business. And without any further ado, let's get on to the Q&A. She is shopping around. Did you give her a budget? No. I just told her to – because they usually do come do quotes. So like uh, Lowe's, so I got, Home I got Depot. I got some nice blinds from Lowe's, but they're not like blackout blinds. I don't even know no, yet. They're, and they're going to be different because it's commercial. Yeah. And so like they have to have a custom one for the door. Yeah. So I don't know. But she's going to look at Lowe's, Costco, Home Depot. I mean there's a bunch of – There's one – Budget blinds does it. That's yeah. who I got mine through. Yeah. But I, I went to the shade store. Mm-hmm. But it is fucking the shade store. Yeah. Wow. It's like Cadillac. Have you ever been to the uh, <laughs> Cadillac of shades? Yeah. That's dope. It was. Have you been to the light store? No. I'm not being a dick. Like, no, I know. I know. So- by South Center Mall? Yeah. I think I've seen it. It's overwhelming. Whoa. Because you go in and How there's lights. Dude, there's lights hanging and chandeliers everywhere. And you're like, it's just like bright. Yeah. Dude, it's trippy. Wow. But, but yeah, we're going to get those in here. The TV is sick. Is it? Yeah, it's dope. It's just nice because it's like. Have you seen it yet? Oh, no. Cameron Hayes came by. Um, it's been up for a long time. I know, but it's actually working now. Nice. So I got everything going. Um, some AAA batteries. Yeah. So and I actually the TV in. I found the button on the TV. Nice. Uh, and it wasn't plugged in. <laughs> so I plugged the TV in. Stick to coaching, yeah. my guy. I <laughs> know. <laughs> but it's dope having that. And that sound bar is loud as hell. Dope. Yeah. Neighbors are going to be pissed. But I'm not. All right. Dude, did you see uh, Joe Rogan? Yeah. It's a big podcast move. Yeah, but he's taking them off YouTube. Yeah. pisses me off. So after 2020. So I guess Spotify is going to create a like video podcasting like platform. There we go. And they want him to come on to be kind of like the initiator. Yeah. Um, Now we're talking. And I mean, you can't blame him. It's going to take so much from YouTube. Nine figure. 100 million? Nine figure deal. So yes, 100 million. Who told you that? 
uh, it was on I, I read about it, and then me and Chase were talking about it on his podcast know, too. I've looked, and I didn't see any numbers. Oh, it was it, Chase said he saw it on some news headline thing. So oh. unless he's no, 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 I. I trust his podcast Me opinion because he's a huge podcast. <laughs> I just guy. I looked for that same not today, but when I saw a couple days ago or shit might have been last, yesterday, but I looked for how much it was and I didn't see. But yeah, that's I, crazy. It's insane, but um, but yeah, that's uh, and and I don't blame him. I mean, that's a lot of money, but it's kind of cool that it's going to be exclusive to there after 2020. Like I obviously listen to it on iTunes. I don't listen to any podcast on Spotify at all, and I use Spotify every day. But I've never been a podcast guy on there. But I'd rather listen to podcasts on Spotify just because I listen to music on Spotify. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. One place. Guy. Why not? Yeah. Why not yeah. have it in one place? Yeah. And if they want to throw some video on there. But the thing is, like, I watch so much other content on YouTube other than podcasts. Right. It's just easy for me to watch podcasts on there also because I'm already on there. Yeah. But I guess I'm already on Spotify to listen to music. So it doesn't matter where I watch yeah. the Hmm, it's interesting. I but think hell, good for him. Man. I think it would for me. It was like there was no podcast on Spotify when I started listening to podcasts. So mm-hmm. I just had the podcast app and from iTunes, you know, and just had yeah. all of them there. And then once Spotify was like, "Oh, we're doing it now," I was like, "Well, I already have my library yeah. of shows that I listen to." All right, first question uh, we got from Sheetal Begnari. Do you remember saying that name? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Should I still implement refeed days if I'm only calorie counting or not macro counting? I I eat whatever I want, but in reduced portions. So I'm sticking to my daily caloric allowance. If I still need refeed refeed days, what would they look like for me? I thought we answered a question about intuitive eating. Like, Mm -hmm. hey, I'm not tracking. Yeah. And I'm doing refeeds. I thought that was what the question was. Um, If not, we're answering this twice. Um, I mean, the question is, can I do refeeds, right? Yeah. I think if you're in a deficit, yes. you. The answer is should. Should she do? Yeah. If you're in a deficit, I believe so. Um, if you haven't listened to the research roundup with myself and uh, our CSO, Brandon Roberts, we'll put that link in the show notes. We just aired when this is going out, probably like last week. And we talked about the recent study on diet breaks and the pros and cons of it. And, and I mean, th- it's kind of one of those things where like the more and more research comes out, the more and more you realize like you actually don't need refeeds in order to lose more fat, like they're not going to increase your fat loss over a period of time. However, they might help with the psychology of things. Um, I know like the reason she's probably doing it and just eating whatever she wants and reduced portions because it's just a day off the diet. Yeah. It's like, let me take a fucking break and, and not diet for a day. Um, and that psychological benefit might have some indirect carryover to the physiology side of things. So your hormones, your metabolism, your thyroid, your muscle mass, stuff like that. Um, and the other side of it is if you want to specifically do a refeed for physiological benefits of retaining more muscle mass or improving your thyroid health during a diet, cortisol, stuff like that, because all those things kind of get wonky um, during a, a, an actual deficit, then you probably do need to track macros You need because you need to increase your carbs because those are going to play a bigger role. Um, if typically... And I can think of somebody right now uh, who, who I work with and like we were just having this conversation. I was like, dude, it might be time to tone down the cheat days because it's just like... He uh, <laughs> he goes ham on cheat days and like his fat intake right now is like 70 grams fat and he'll be like just killing it, killing it, killing it. And then I just see like 160 fat and I'm like, whoa, dude, what did you eat? And he's like, it's really hard to have like cheat meals with my family that aren't super high in fat, but he's probably like throwing down pizza and shit like that. So I was like, man, you're just, I mean, it's one of those things where you got to choose like, do you want to like go all in on this cut and pull him back a little bit or do we want to like kind of get creative? You know, like I've made 
burgers and uh, I mean, sushi is a high carb one. So there's like ways around it. But I think in general, like you should use refeeds for the psychological benefit first. And then if you want them for the physiological, you should be increasing carbs. If that's the case, you probably should track all macros. If that's not the case, and you're just doing it for the psychological benefit. It just track calories or just have a free day. Like I have a couple clients where they just have a day of no tracking because they just want a break from tracking. Like even for me, I don't track on Saturdays typically. Um, and sometimes the next day I'll punch the food in just to like see what I have to do to balance it out, you know, over the next couple of days. But for me, it's not like I'm going to demolish a bunch of food because I don't really overeat on those days. I just, I'm like, I just don't feel like tracking today. Mm-hmm. Like just give me a break from the app, you know? Um, and I think there's value in that too. So I think there's a lot of ways around it, but the, the best question to ask yourself is if you're dieting and you are not getting results and you are having these cheat days then maybe you should pull those back Mm -hmm. or or these quote-unquote repeat days that are on track like you should probably pull those back or pull them out because if you're not getting results you're probably overeating gotcha and i think that's i mean for sure that's it yeah so it can be done should you it depends as always all right what if people get pissed about that it depends I used to get not, I used not, to get mad. Not the answer I wanted. Yeah, I used to get mad in, in college. Uh, my professor Tim Vegan used to always say, "Well, it depends on what." <laughs> Tell me the fucking answer. Well, the thing is, when you when you do say it depends, you do say on what. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You're not just gonna say it depends. Uh, that's right. Yeah. I, I used to get so frustrated. It's funny because I know now. I'm actually talking to his class on Thursday, tomorrow. Nice. Not there. No. Over Zoom. Yeah. It's gonna be weird. I've never presented to a college class over Zoom. They're all gonna be on Zoom. Yeah, because they're doing online school now because oh. of COVID. It's crazy. All right. Next question. Uh, we got Christine McDowell. Uh, if you have a client who loses their cycle very easily and loses it in the early phases of the, of their reverse, would you just keep going as planned or speed things up? The client is not in a rush to get pregnant and would like to take it slowly as needed to stick to the reverse, and it isn't super – and it isn't in super – low calories or intense workouts. Does it take the body time to catch up with the calorie changes? Could it be, could it just be the delay meaning of the loss of cycle was from when they were in a low deficit or the calories now could be sufficient, but the body needs time to quote unquote recognize that. Yeah. I think throwing the pregnancy thing out there, like is like a big wrench in the curve. It's like, Whoa, wait, she's trying to get pregnant. Like that's cause that completely changes it. That's like, to me, even if she's like, Oh, I don't need to get pregnant too soon. I'd be like, well, we're still going to speed it up because you need to be in like the peak health, like the peak position of health in order to conceive and actually deliver a baby. Um, but I think, uh, in general, it depends on, uh, one, how long was the diet and how slow is the reverse? So the longer the diet and the deeper you get into the diet, the more likely you are to lose your menstrual cycle. Um, it's really common. And the slower the reverse, sometimes you stay leaner cause you're like increasing calories slowly, but the longer you take to bring those calories up, mm-hmm. the longer you are going to suffer without a period, plain and simple, because Basically, what you're doing is extending that deficit. You're extending the stress that's placed on your body. When you go into a deep deficit and your cycle is gone, it's because these hormones are adapting and they're taking a hit. So if you reverse diet by just adding 5 to 10 grams of carbs every week and you're just going slow and slow and slow and slow, you might stay kind of lean. But the problem with that is is you're still in a fucking deficit and you're not getting out of that deficit. So especially for women, I'm a bigger fan of an aggressive reverse approach. Um, and, and I've said this a million times in the podcast, we wrote that blog on it, but it's basically like you start at your maintenance and then you finish at your like lowest deficit. 
your new maintenance is way higher than where you're at right now, but it's below that old maintenance. Yep. So if your old maintenance was 2000 and you ended up at 1300 calories, you should probably go up to like 1600, yep. right? That's a big initial jump, 300 calories. You're going to feel better. And then if you don't gain weight from that, add another hundred, wait a little bit, add another hundred and try to get up as high as you can. Um, I think what people are worried about is gaining weight during reverse, obviously. But the, the thing is, is if you go over your maintenance, you are going to gain the same amount of weight that you would no matter what the timeline is. And we have like client experience to show this. I can take you from whatever calories to whatever calories over 12 weeks and you gain, let's say four pounds in that reverse diet because you gain, you know, water retention, stuff, so on and so forth. Maybe you even gain a little fat because you needed that to be hormonally sound um, and healthy. And it took 12 weeks to gain that four pounds. It's going to be way easier to handle like, oh, four pounds over 12 weeks. That's really spread out. Yeah. You don't notice as much. But if I took that tw 12 weeks and I did it in three weeks and you gained four pounds, you'd be freaking out. But it's the same exact amount of weight that's going to be gained. It's just in a quicker uh, setting. The difference here is when we jump up calories quicker and we gain that weight quicker, you're getting out of the hormonally comp compromised place faster. Yeah. And that's the big benefit here. And I think it's a special, especially the case with women. Um, and sometimes it does take a long time. I mean, uh, uh I, I should have Caroline on the podcast to talk about this because I mean, going through competitions and stuff, yeah. she obviously dealt with that. Uh, and sometimes, you know, like we had a conversation the other day, her, her macros are back up pretty high, especially for how lean she is. But she did it in a slow way to stay somewhat lean in her offseason because she wants to compete again. Um, and she's worked with coach. And uh, that delayed the entire process of her cycle. And that delayed the hormonal adaptations from getting back to normal. So sometimes it's one of those things where you're like, well, if I want this back, i got to gain some fat. People forget that hormones yeah. actually store in body fat. So it's not just like a lot of people think, oh, you got to make sure you're eating enough fats in your diet. And that's true, but you also need enough fat in your body. Mm -hmm. If you don't have enough fat in your body, you're not going to be hormonally sound. Yeah. That's why when I'm like shredded and I look like, uh, like the peak physical, like, you know, like it's like Greek God, like ripped, like athlete. It's like the lowest form of health for my, my health, uh, my hormones, because thyroid is, is really pissed. Cortisol's through the roof. Metabolism is slower. Testosterone's through the floor because I have no body fat on my body. So it's like, it, it's one of those things people have to remember that like being super fucking lean isn't always the healthiest thing. And I actually think like we answered a question about like the trends that we see in the industry. Yeah. I think that's going to be a trend of like the new goal for people is going to be like, I want to be like, I always talk about lifestyle lean. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to be the new thing. It's like, I don't want to get shredded. Like I want to be kind of lean. Yeah. Like I want to take my shirt off and feel good, but I don't need to be shredded. And that was like a hard one for me for a long time. I just always wanted to be shredded. Like I thought like to be like a top coach, like I just got to be like, like a superhero. Like I got to be shredded all the time. It's not the case. And yeah. it's not realistic. Right. And you just feel like shit. I can't perform with my family, with my business, with my friends, with all these other aspects of my life. If I'm like that. Um, so that's a long winded answer for this lady, but I think, yeah, it could be delayed. I think at the end of the day, you just, you probably need to increase the calories a little bit faster um, and then, uh, just allow a little bit of fat accumulation to come about. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. It's, it's the only way to go about it for sure. And there's some people I can think of clients specifically who have a, a really tough time with that and they want to get leaner. And sometimes I look at them and I'm like, you are literally way leaner than me <laughs> and you're a female and that's harder. So like, a, a f it's way more likely for a male to have abs than a female. It's just like women actually need more body fat on their body because they are more hormonally sensitive and they, uh, they need those hormones to reproduce and things like that. 
Um, men don't need as much, so it's easier for men. And I mean, we see guys all the time. They have jacked upper backs, yeah. stuff like that. But I have some women that are ripped, and I'm like, I don't know where you want to lose fat. But it's a hard got, conversation to have with people. Much to lose. Yeah, because I want to help them, but it's like I don't. There's not that much to lose there. <laughs> like we can try. <laughs> I don't think you're getting anywhere. So that's yeah. that's a that's a hard conversation to have with people. Got it. All right. So um, we're gonna go to the next one. From Jillian Byron, I made a switch to lifting more than over, more over cardio and been at maintenance, but have to taken it down with the COVID nineteen. I've I have been still I've still been able to lift as normal, so I guess I may be in a bit of a deficit, but it's hard to tell. I haven't been super consistent with macros. I have noticed over time I have I've cut, but more to a super cut where my arms are borderline skeleton. Whoa. Mm. I clearly have muscles, but in pictures, I, I can come off st- stickly, sickly. Oh, sickly. Um, I guess I should, I should bulk, but with being up and down with this state, we are all in. I should go to maintenance to get back to a balance, then increase. When building, what should you focus on in the gym when lifting and cardio? Okay, so... I'm just going to take that as a multifaceted question because some of it wasn't really a question, but I'm going to like speak on it anyway. Like it's the, one of those. So yeah. what's the question? <laughs> so the nutrition one, yeah. she didn't really say like, should I do this? But she said, I guess I should go to maintenance. That's exactly what I would recommend. I think in a situation like that, anytime somebody wants to stay lean and uh, get big, like gain, I say get big. I know women probably don't want to hear that. Um, gain muscle, yeah. gain muscle tissue. I, I think it does help to have a maintenance phase after a cut. Um, because it, it, a lot, it's the same reason why, like instead I even have, bulk. instead of going right into a bulk. Yeah. Because you're, uh, you're insulin sensitive. So yes, you can build more muscle when you're lean, but you're also, your fat cells are also insulin sensitive. <laughs> so you can gain fat way quicker when you're leaner because your body wants fat on its body. So it's smarter to find maintenance, stay at maintenance, try to maintain it, like find your lifestyle lean, right? That lean physique that you can maintain. And then literally just barely inch up your calories above that because that small deficit or that small surplus is going to lead to the same muscular adaptation that a big surplus was unless you are literally brand new to lifting and most likely like a, a young male yeah. with high testosterone levels. Um, if you're a 19 year old dude listening to this, I would say add a ton of calories and just lift like you're going to gain muscle. But for people who are advanced or like a woman, I'm probably going to say, hey, let's find maintenance. Let's stay there for a while. Keep lean. And then and, and really get our ducks in a row with sleep, stress, training, all that stuff. And then literally add like 50 to 100 calories where you're barely gaining anything. But you know it's pure muscle because you're not – you can only gain so much naturally uh, for most people. Um, and whether your calories – like even for me. So like I, I'm kind of like a freaky scenario right now where I just put on a ton of weight really rapidly. Um we've talked about this where I think it's like, you know, I wasn't dialed in and then I got really dialed in and everything is like on point. I'm getting more sleep and my surgery and all that stuff. Um, but I didn't raise calories that whole time and I wasn't in a huge surplus. We put myself in a really tiny surplus and I gained all that weight. So eating more food would have led to me gaining more weight, but it would have been fat. Yeah. Like your body can literally only build so much muscle at a certain rate. So I think it's kind of ignorant to just go into a huge surplus. Yeah. You, you really just got to find, like I have a guy right now, Brian, who was trying to gain. And we took a while to find that surplus because we were like, we got to find what your actual maintenance is yeah. and then keep you there. And then we'll go, okay, let's inch up a little bit and see if that ticks you into there. It didn't tick you up a little bit. Didn't you inch then, it up by a hundred calories? 
Yeah, I would say about that. It's usually about like three to five percent of total calories, depending on how many calories you're eating. If somebody's already eating three thousand calories, I'm not going to do five percent. It's probably going to be like three, very yeah. small. Um, but if it's if it's less than that, maybe like five percent. So a very small adjustment. Gotcha. Um, and it's usually anywhere between fifty to two hundred. How long calories. do you do that adjustment for? Uh, I usually do it and wait at least two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks is going to give me enough time to say, like, is your body actually changing and adapting and to that? Recording weight. Exactly. Yeah. And we see the weights after two weeks um, and if they're going up. Um, and with him, we kept inching up. And then once we inched past this one spot, he started gaining at a steady rate. But he still has abs. Yeah. That was his goal. So mm-hmm. now we know that he's not, like, going into that zone where he's just putting on a ton of fat. Um, and I would recommend the same thing for her. Like, find that maintenance and then just barely go above that and dial in training and just let yourself slowly gain. You're going to gain at the same rate no matter what. Um, that rate of gain changes – not changes. is different for everyone. Yeah, yeah. And it is. 100% is. But the I think the the method is the same. There you go. Um, because everybody's body has a certain capacity of how much muscle it can build. Like if it was just a matter of like, well, if you eat more, you'll gain faster. I would just eat more food and I'd be like massive by now. But I wouldn't. I would just be fat if I did that. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> so I think doing it that route's good. And I think it, it works in the same on the reverse. So like I have a couple guys who we just took from a pretty long gaining phase. One of them was like six months. One of them was like nine months. And we've been ready to cut for the last few weeks. And we just got into the cut last week. But it was like, hey, let's have a discussion. We're ready to cut. Cool. This is what I'm thinking for adjustment. How is your adherence? How is your sleep? Like going over things like – Let's not add calories. Let's bring it down a little bit and just sit there and kind of maintain because you're kind of solidifying the new muscle you've built. Like you've built muscle and you've been gaining and gaining and gaining. It's like let's slow it down, find a new maintenance. You might drop a little bit of water, but let's stay here for a few weeks and just make sure like, okay, your body's comfortable with this amount of muscle tissue on its body. Now let's go into a really aggressive cut with some refeeds. And then now we're doing that. And they're in like a 25% deficit, which is huge, really big deficit. But they were they had plenty of calories to work with. Mm. Um and both of them crushed it. I think one dude dropped three pounds first week. One dude dropped two. Um, and then the second week's been a pound so far, and it's only Wednesday. So um, they're doing really well. But I think having uh, – maintenance phases are almost like transitions. So Definitely. from cut to bulk or bulk to cut, you kind of put in these maintenance phases in between each to make sure that you're uh, kind of changing your set point. Like what is your body comfortable maintaining because that's hard to do. Um, it's always trying to find homeostasis, Yeah. right? So like creating a new homeostasis can be difficult. Now, um, as far as training, she asked what she should, should do with training and cardio, right? Yep. When building, what should you focus on the gym when lifting and cardio? Um, most likely just stop cardio. I mean, if you're doing cardio while trying to build muscle, it should be uh, like very minimal and it should be for two reasons. One, recovery or two, to improve – just your oxidative system, your aerobic system in general, because there's no really study to prove this. Um, I've actually been going back and forth with Brandon Roberts because I believe this is true, but there's nothing to really like prove my theory. Um, if you do some conditioning, you might have potential to gain more muscle because when you improve your aerobic capacity, your body's ability to uptake oxygen and recover faster yeah. increases. So if I'm doing a set of eight, I'm going to be able to get back to that next set of eight faster and more efficiently if my cardio is on point. Um, I'm going to recover faster between days. I'm going to have to take less time in between sets, which might mean I could fit more volume into a smaller window because I don't want to be in the gym for two hours, right? Um, So I think some cardio is helpful, but that looks like literally like for recovery purposes, like getting your steps in every day. So going on a few quick walks every day and then like one day a week of like some aerobic conditioning. Yeah. So maybe hitting the rower, the assault bike or the sled for a solid like 10 to 20 minutes each where you're just going at a sustainable pace. Nothing crazy. But most people do cardio to burn calories. 
if you're trying to build muscle, you don't want to burn more calories. You're already burning enough and you're trying to consume more. So burning more is just making that equation even harder to accomplish. So you're like, oh, I'm trying to build muscle, but I'm doing so much cardio that I got to eat more. It's like, well, just stop fucking doing so much cardio. (laughs) Like your body will use what you're eating. Um, so I would say that. And then with training, I think there's a few routes you can go. Usually if, if you're like, okay, I'm eating enough food, I'm at maintenance or above, and I'm doing very minimal cardio, um, and I want to build as much muscle as possible, let's say, um, naturally, which even for women, like as much muscle as possible sounds extreme, but you're not going to just blow up. Yeah. Um, I would probably go with five or six days a week. I think to fit enough volume in to really see some good adaptations, I think you need five or six days a week. If you're new to lifting or you haven't ever done any type of higher volume training, start with four because you don't need more than four days. Uh, But eventually you'll probably build into five and then six. So I would either do a four-day upper-lower split or a five-day upper-lower push-pull-leg split or a six-day push-pull-legs, push-pull-leg split. And all those are just different ways to make sure that our frequency is being met. So you're hitting each muscle group twice a week and your volume is being maximized. So the way you set up your days of the week is really just a tool to organize how much volume you can fit in. So I do a push-pull-leg split because I'm doing a lot of volume. And if I was to try to fit all that volume into four sessions, Uh like an upper-lower split, I'd be in the gym for two hours. And I don't want to do that. I like be getting in and out in an hour. So for me, it's like let's get in. Let's do just chest, shoulders, triceps, push muscles. Um, and then I would maximize. So, so, so now we're going into two categories. Here's your split. And then you got to maximize weekly volume, which is going to be somewhere between 10 to 20 sets per muscle group per week. Um, it's all individual. Like, uh, some muscle groups can handle more. Like I can do, I can do over 20 sets a week on my like back, like my lats. But if I did 20 sets on my shoulders, I'd just be fried or yeah. my quads, I'd be fried. I wouldn't be able to walk. Um, so everybody's different in the way that their body responds with different muscle groups, but somewhere between 10 to 20 for all muscle uh, body parts per week. And you want to be somewhere between like, I would say six to eight sets per muscle group per session. Um, if you're only doing 10 sets per muscle group per week, that's going to be lower obviously, but maximizing uh, like going above eight sets per session on a single muscle starts to, uh, yeah, you just go over the threshold of yeah. what your body can tolerate and you can't recover your muscle protein synthesis actually lowers cause breakdown muscle protein breakdown increases. So the balance is off. Um, so staying in that range, but most studies show like eight, it kind of caps out and then past 10, it starts to drop off. So that means like, Ten's okay, if I, it's, it's, what's that? 10 is a lot. 10 is a lot. Yeah. But like, so like I do about, I do seven or eight per session per muscle group. So like yeah. if I go in and I'm doing a push day might have four sets of bench and three sets of flies, yep. right? That's seven sets. Yep. And then on the next uh, push day, I might do four and four, and that's eight sets. So that's 15 total sets per week. Or no, that's more than that. That's, yeah, 15 sets per week. Um, no, that's like, is my math wrong? Three sets. Eight, seven, yeah, 15. 15. Stripping. 15 sets, that's right in between that 10 to 20. Um, now for my back days, I have like, four sets of lats, four sets of lats, and then like three sets of one that kind of hits the lats, kind of hits the the rhomboids. So I'm hitting like 22 sets a week if you combine both pull days. But if you split up a day, like for a push, for example, you do four sets of bench, three sets of flies, four sets of dumbbell military press, three sets of lateral raises, and then I would do like three sets of a overhead tricep extension, and then three sets of a push down because you're doing two different positions. You don't need as much volume on your triceps. You've just hit seven sets of chest, seven sets of shoulders, and six sets of triceps. That's a great push day, super high volume, and it does not take you that long. Um, 
people always want to get in and out of the gym super quick, but like you got to spend an hour. Yeah. If you really want to get good work in, you got to spend an hour. If you're somebody who is very immobile or has like are prone to injury and you got to spend time warming up, you should probably spend an hour and a half because you can get in there and do a little bit of cardio to warm up your blood flow and your heart rate, then do some movements up for 10 minutes, then foam roll, and then get ready into your ramp up sets and it takes more time. I don't need as many sets to warm up. So my warm up takes me five minutes and then I get into it and we're done in an hour, you know? So, and, and I, and I train pretty fast. Like I keep the pace going, but, um, but yeah, that's what I would recommend for you listening is if you want to build muscle, like I think that's the best way to approach it. Dope. All right. Um, we have, uh, two questions from John Horgan. Uh, my guest, my goal is muscle gain, I but I only have resistant bands and no access to a gym. Is it still worth getting online coaching, or should I wait until I have access to weights in a gym? I mean, I'm probably the most biased person to ask. <laughs> to ask. Um, absolutely. I think you should absolutely get a coach. Yeah. Um, I think it's one of those things where, like, the beauty of an online coach or remote coach is we're with you wherever you're at and like work with what you have yeah so like we have clients that even before this happened they're like oh i'm gonna be gone uh for two weeks and here's the hotel and it's like there's like a, a pair of dumbbells that goes up to 30 pounds and that's it and i'm like all right well do a lot of reps yeah what are we gonna do you know full body every session high reps low negatives like you can think of a bunch of different things um i mean we have a ton of clients right now all doing at-home workouts whether it's just body weight yeah bands only using like their table and a chair and some water bottles. And it's like, cool, that's all you need. Um, and you can do shit like that. I've done it. Like you can even do t like, I think I'll put it in yours towel cur yep. curls, right? Put a towel around your foot and you're doing curls with yep. the, like there's so many things you can do. Um, so I think saying that you can is just an excuse, you know, it's just like, it's just like, Oh, well, like it's a shitty situation. Or it's not good enough. It's not good enough. Yeah. So you don't do anything, Yeah. which is, I mean, nothing's ever going to be perfect. Um, but I would say the other side of it is, is like, okay, you can wait and then be further behind when you get into it, or you can start and be way further ahead when you get into a more, uh, like, cause even if we look at somebody who's just starting out, I might go, Hey, we're going to start easy and ease into this. Now's a good time to ease into it. Now's a great time to be like, okay, like now I can have a coach, have some accountability, just do some like bands and body weight stuff, get my body used to training period get used to tracking macros, get used to all these things. And then when the gym's open and COVID's done, I'll be so much more comfortable with this stuff yeah. that it'll be easier to go and do a full program at the gym for sure. and, and periodize my macros and get really in depth. Um, it's going to be like a treat. What's that? It's going to be like a, a treat. Like yeah. I've been doing all that at home with exactly. that stuff. You You're more excited. Just, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a great time. I mean, it's it, did he say what his goal was or did he just mm. – not yet, I don't think. My, my, oh, my goal is muscle gain. Okay, so, like, I definitely – if your goal is muscle gain especially – I mean, I, I shouldn't say that because if, if it was fat loss, I would say the same thing. Because, I mean, you can control your diet, yeah. you know. And, and I think building muscle at home is harder than losing fat at home, which means it's more important to have a good program to do at home because, you know, like we just had that whole discussion on volume. Four sets of bench press is not equivalent to four sets of push-ups, you know. So that whole, like, volume per session – is a completely different conversation. It goes way up with just body weight movements because it's less applied resistance on the muscle. So you can recover from more. Um, so the conversation changes. But again, you need coaching yeah. to dial that in. So I don't think – I personally believe that nobody should wait for coaching ever. I think if you're in a position where you can look at yourself in the mirror and go, I'm not 100% happy and satisfied with where I'm at, get a coach. Why not? Why not? I it's love an, it. It's an investment Absolutely. in yourself. His second question, it says, well, given that I only have resistance bands to work out, 
is BFR a good option to add in my workouts? Absolutely. Uh, blood flow restriction is great, especially for right now. Um, you got to be careful tying it off because you can't time off too quick so or too hard. So make sure you, like, you actually look up how to do it. Um, don't just like say, okay, cool, I'll do it, and just start doing it. Because like, you basically you got to tie them say, just pretty like tight to cut off circulation, but not so tight that you're completely cutting off blood flow. Because um, you're supposed to restrict blood flow to that one body part. And then you're supposed to do, you know, a few sets of high reps with really light weight and then take the shit off and let it breathe and then get back to it later. So, like, you don't just put them on for an hour and just keep going. Um, but putting some, like, BFR, yeah, like constantly cooking, yeah. <laughs> just getting a pump. Um, if you do that, like, you're going – like, you could literally do blood flow restriction curls and hold, like, a one-liter water bottle and do curls and you would, like – get a pump yeah. because you don't need much weight at all. And it, yeah. it's the same applied resistance, um, for triceps, you could do push-ups and, and inverted skull crushers, which are great for legs, put them around your quads. And it's like, you can do, uh, split squats, air squats, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, calves, even people do them for calves. I mean, there's so many variations I would recommend it. I think, I think for at home stuff, it's, it's just a way to intensify for sure. What's so funny. All right. So the next question, you're going to leave the people hanging. <laughs> just, Cooking, <laughs> oh, <laughs> so getting a bump while cooking. Get like cooking your eggs with spatula and like <laughs> flipping burgers. I uh, I, it's, I sent Shannon a gif because I was like, oh, like I'll cook tonight, and I sent her a gif of uh, Zach. It was Zach Efron, and he was like at a grill with his shirt off, like yeah. flipping burgers. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's what I imagined. All right, got it. Next question is uh, Miles and Peaches again. Uh, how often can you drink and still see the progress? Is there a weekly limit? What strategy do you use with clients to allow flexibility here? Track. So there is a drinking track app. No, no. Can no. you do? I that mean, my fitness pal. Yeah, you can. You can track it in there. A lot of times, like so. Basically, the way to track it is you have to look at the calories of that alcoholic beverage, and then you need to divide it by either four or nine and four being carbs or nine being fat, like whatever you want to sacrifice, not going to be protein, whichever one you want to sacrifice in order to consume that alcohol. Um, typically with a normal person, I'm probably going to recommend a combination of both because it's just easier. Yeah. Um, if you want to get really technical, I would probably argue for fats, like to remove fats in order to do that. But there's also a lot of people who don't have room to do that. So like for me, I'm on a fairly low fat diet. So I cut carbs to fit alcohol in because if I got fats, I'll literally just like, what the hell am I going to eat? Yeah. Like nothing. Um, like a charcuterie board is out the window. Yeah. I mean, that's just like a fucking board of fat. Yeah. Literally. Um, but what I typically recommend to people to do is, is cut, cut from carbs and fat as a combination. When you add it in my fitness pal, it'll give you a calorie limit and use that calorie limit to just, uh, divide it by four or nine. It's not going to give you macros. It's going to literally say zero fat, zero carbs, zero protein. And it's going to say 140 uh, like last night I put in whiskey for that podcast I did yeah. and uh, it was 140 calories for uh, two ounces so like two shots basically yeah. and uh, uh, it said zero fat zero carbs zero protein but mm. the reason is because alcohol has its own macro and it's a it's called ethanol it's a okay. nutrient and ethanol has seven calories per gram so it's different than fat and uh, carbs so your calories going to be off that day but if you just Figure out how many calories it is and then subtract that amount of carbs or fat. You're going to be fine. Now, there was a study way back. I can't remember who the study was from or exactly how it was set up. I read it um, from Alan Aragon's research review years ago. 
and uh, it was basically, I can't remember if it was beer or wine, but these, these people basically had to drink every day. Um, and then group B didn't have any drinks and it was like a, a weight loss program. They both lost the same amount of weight because the people who drank, drink every night, they um, fit it into their calories. Gotcha. I can't remember if they tested how much muscle mass was retained, but I would argue that the people who didn't drink probably retained more muscle mass because we know there are some, some things in, with alcohol consumption that delay muscle protein synthesis, mTOR, testosterone, things like that that help build muscle. Um, so the way I look at it is like every single time you drink alcohol, you're probably like pushing pause on building muscle and you might be pushing like slowing down the fat loss process yeah. just from that alcohol being in your system. The other side of this is when you drink alcohol, you get the munchies and yeah. you end up eating and then you go over your calories anyway. Or inhibition just lowers so much that you're like, I don't even care. I'm not going to track calories. Yeah. I never track calories when I'm drunk. So that's that makes it hard too. Yeah. So were you going to say something? Well, I was going to let you finish. But like he says, is there like a, a limit? But like, okay, I'm going to say the limit's four. Yeah. Right? But at four, do you, I guess it comes down to self-discipline. It's very hard to be disciplined yeah. when you're drinking. Yeah. Four is like, I'm not going to say for me, but I'm just saying like, relatively if you get past a certain amount of drinks you're like well i want more yeah you know it's just your body i could easily kill a six-pack beer yeah easily um i mean shit when you guys were over the night i easily killed a whole bottle of wine yeah probably by myself yeah i mean we drank four bottles of wine yeah it was a lot so we all did (laughs) (laughs) so but but like my point with that is is so like basically what i always tell people is like don't look at like how many drinks you can consume, whatever. Pick yeah. one night a week. Yep. If you're really serious about your results, pick one night a week. If go. you just want to maintain your physique, drink as much as you want. Just fit in your calories. Yeah. I mean, realistically, you might not build as much muscle. You might not burn as much fat. But if your goal is maintenance, have fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, for me right now, I'll drink once a week. I always just, I'm always just a once a week drinker. But on special occasions, I'll drink a second night a week. Um, but I fit it into my macros by pulling carbs down. And I'm also trying to gain weight. So it's less of a deal. Like, yeah, I'm probably not building as much muscle during that time. But last night I had two shots of whiskey, basically. Like, I didn't literally take a shot. But, like, yeah. I drank two glasses of whiskey. Yeah. Um, and then a couple weeks ago, Cinco de Mayo. I had a couple uh, Dosa Keyses. I love dose keys um, just to celebrate, but it's yeah. very rare that I do that. If it's a fat loss phase, I'm like very strict to one time a week. If I have like a photo shoot coming up about four weeks away, I'll stop drinking completely. Um, but that's just because it becomes harder and harder to hit calories when your calories are dropping. If you're in a diet, you could potentially be pushing pause on fat loss and you're not trying to maintain, you're trying to get results. And it's slightly inaccurate. Yeah, exactly. It's slightly inaccurate. Um, and the biggest thing, again, like the leaner you get, the the less calories you have coming in, the drunker you get faster. And yeah. that makes that whole discipline conversation yep. go down way quicker. Yep. So like I know for me, I, I can drink a lot, but I'm also kind of a lightweight. Yeah. Like if I have one drink, I'm already feeling good. Hmm. And so my inhibition and discipline just goes yep. down. No tracking, no macros, yeah. don't even care. You wanted to open another one? Duh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then I can keep drinking, yeah. which is not a good thing. Um, but For sure. But what I recommend to clients is like if they're on a serious fat loss phase, I'm like, hey, let's let's keep one night a week if you enjoy drinking. Um, you can absolutely still see progress as long as you fit in your macros. And f- for most people, it's very hard to fit in your macros. So sometimes you have to do the whole Rob Peter to pay Paul. So pull back on food the next day a little bit to, to balance out those weekly calories and you'll be totally fine. Hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. There you go. Um, the more serious you are about your goal, the less you should be drinking. And I honestly don't think that, like, if you really want to see, like, if you really want to transform your physique, I don't think it's asking much to say, like, hey, just drink once a week. You know, like, I think there's, a, like, the whole flexible dieting conversation made everybody think that it's just, like, super easy and they can do whatever they want and still lose. And it's like, 
there's always going to be some sacrifices yeah. need to be made. Um, or won't happen. It won't happen. Yeah. Like, that's just, I mean, that's the price. Like, you, you want to be a pro football player. Yeah, but I don't want to sweat. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't want, no, that's, I don't want to run. That's, yeah. that's, let's do something else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> need to change that. Exactly. All right, uh, next question is from John Lancaster.92. How effectively program aerobic conditioning into mesocycle when bulking? So for those listening who don't know what a mesocycle is, yeah. a mesocycle is basically like a block of training. So you have a microcycle, a mesocycle, and then a macrocycle. A mi- microcycle is one go. training week. Um, so for me, that's – uh, like Monday to Sunday, you know, like Monday through Saturday, I'm training six days in a row and then Sunday's rest day. That's one micro cycle. Um, but there's also programs. I've even written programs that have like 10 day micro cycles. So you have like 10 set like days spread out. So it's not necessarily a calendar week, but it's a training week is the whole point of a micro cycle. A meso cycle is usually a month. It's usually a three to six week block. And this is where like, here's your program quote unquote, right? This is the, what you're following for the four next weeks. four week block. Yep. Um, for some people, like I'll go down to three weeks at lowest, um, and I'll go up to like six weeks at most. You can go longer than six weeks for sure on a single mesocycle and still make progress. Um, uh, but boredom starts to factor yeah. in cause you're like, I'm doing the same shit still. So like, I usually like yeah. to switch people up at like, like for my guys who are really serious about building muscle, they're all on six week rotations because I want them doing the same thing for six weeks and progressing. Like we're going to keep variables controlled and just build. Um, if fat loss is your goal, it's a lot easier to maintain muscle during fat loss. So I'll change it up even more just to keep you motivated. Um, but that's kind of uh, a mesocycle. And then a macro cycle is like your year. Okay. So like all of these mesocycles put together for a year, like what's my plan, yeah. which I, you can't always do as a coach because you don't always have that buy-in from people. Um, I have a handful of people that like right out the gates are like, I'm with you for 12 months. What are we going to do? And that person, I'm like, okay, let me, I'm going to break down this macro cycle. And then what we're starting with is because I know what we're finishing at, Damn. um, which takes way more of a methodical approach, obviously. Um, but how to effectively program conditioning, which is funny cause I already kind of answered this, um, aerobic conditioning should be very minimal. Um, like for example, for me right now, I am doing, uh, 10 to 15,000 steps a day. That's it. 10 to 15 K. I will jump on the assault bike or the rower for a like 500 meter row or like a three periodically. Minute. It's like as a warm up. Yeah. You know oh, what I mean? Okay. So I get my not heart rate going. Day, no, not every day. Um, usually a few times a week, okay. like on leg days, I always do assault bike. And then sometimes on upper body days, if I'm just like, if I'm going to do a heavy bench, like on Monday, I knew we we're hitting fives and, and I had to hit numbers that I haven't hit in a long time. So I was like, I need to really warm up. So I did the rower for a thousand meters and it just, it is cardio because it takes you a solid, you know, yeah. however many minutes and you're breathing hard, but it's not like gassing you. Yep. But that's enough to effectively improve your aerobic system a little bit. And at the end of the day, if you're trying to build muscle, like the goal is to keep the goal the goal. So just try to build muscle. Don't yeah. try to burn a bunch of calories. Um, but like I said, doing a little bit might be beneficial because you can uh, potentially speed up recovery. Um, the way I like programming it. So, uh, I would either add a little bit, like you can add your daily steps every day. Um, that's an, that's an obvious one. You can add a little bit as like a warm up, So five minutes on a cardio machine every day before your session. Um, that's honestly, that's enough if you're going at a decent pace. Um, or if you're only lifting five days a week, spend one day conditioning. Um, yeah. ideally the sled, if you have the sled, that's always one of the best ones to use. But like what my favorite conditioning workout to give somebody would be like, uh, 
period of time, like you can do it in two different ways. You can do more anaerobic or you can do more aerobic. I'd probably lead more towards aerobic if I'm only doing one day because it's just better to promote health and recovery. Um, so let's say four minutes on the rower, take a two minute break, four more minutes on the rower, two minute break. Then you go to the assault bike, four minutes on the assault bike, two minute break, four minutes on the assault bike, two minute break. And then four minutes running on the, like we have the air runner, yeah. but if you don't have air runner, a treadmill or jog around the building or stairs or uh, the sled, but you're doing another modality for four minutes, two minute rest, four minutes, and then that's done. You're done. I mean, that's, uh, it is eight, 16, 24 minutes total. So which 24 minutes of cardio really isn't that long. Yeah. But you're going at uh, a slightly higher pace, so like a 70 to 80 percent of max effort. So you're going a little bit harder, but you're going at a pace where you're like, I'm doing this for four minutes, but I could sustain it for 10 if I wanted to. So it's hard enough to, to challenge me, but it's not so hard that I, I can't make it to minute four. Yeah. Um, and then you take two minutes rest, so you can fully recover and you get back to it. And that's a great session. It takes you 40 minutes with rest periods, and it's it's going to work exactly what this guy's looking for. Um, so that's what I would recommend if you have a day for conditioning. Otherwise I just, just get your steps in. Like, I don't think you need to program too much. Um, the only time you should program a lot of conditioning is a, if you need to do it to burn calories, to burn fat or B you're an athlete. So if you are a CrossFitter or you're a soccer player or anything like that, it's not about looking better. It's about performing better on the field yeah. or on the, I don't know what they call it in CrossFit call. It's not a Coliseum anymore, but I think they do call it that sometimes the dome. I don't know. The arena. Yeah, there you, there go. you go. There you go. Court, anything. But yeah, that's Stage. A, that's that's probably what I would say. <clears throat> All right. That's good. Uh, we got next one from Strength by James. Is there any foods people with hy- hypothyroidism should limit or avoid? Sometimes. Um, it depends. A lot of times people who have hypothyroidism also have Hashimoto's. If they have Hashimoto's, they're the in my experience the likelihood of them to be intolerant to foods is way higher so i typically look at gluten soy dairy uh sometimes eggs but like the the main ones that typically are uh cause intolerance for people dairy is one of them soy is one of them um and, and just see how they're doing you know if we pull them out do they feel better if we pull them out do they get better results digestion better like you'll see biofeedback points sleep will be better stress will be better digestion will be better if they are, then it's probably a sign that like, yeah, that was a good move to take out. If they don't have Hashimoto's and they just have hypothyroidism, typically it's a dysfunction of the metabolism um, or it's it's a dysfunction of the thyroid that's causing dysfunction in the metabolism, which is going to harm our results, obviously. For those people, it's, it's less about like removing a ton of stuff. Um, you should always remove processed sugar and junk, um, but I think that's a given. Like those kind of things don't do well with people with Hashimoto's, but guess what? They don't do well with anybody. Yeah. Um, so removing those is smart, but it's more about adding things in. So making sure you get enough iodine in your diet, which a lot of people do not get um, because in, in like Asian cultures, they get a ton because uh, salt's iodized, seaweed is, is super high in iodine. But like you can Google search – Foods rich in iodine. Um, I want to say sardines are super high in iodine, which you won't catch me eating. Yeah, what? But um, pink Himalayan salt or um, literally like iodized salt. You can get iodized salt. Like that is – it's literally got tons of iodine in it. Instead of getting table salt that has the iodine removed, iodine supports your thyroid function. Mm. So um, sometimes for people, I'm like, hey, I want you to uh, – 
Add a little bit of pink Himalayan salt on all your meals, you know what I mean? And eat some foods that are rich in iodine. And that alone makes a huge difference. Um, I think zinc's a really big one. Selenium's a really big one. So you can literally just Google these things. Like you can Google foods for hypothyroidism and you will see a, like a, probably a blog that has like a list of them because there's a bunch of blogs that talk about this stuff. Um, and I've seen them and they'll break down like what foods are good for it to support a healthy thyroid. And that's really all you want to do. Most of the time, like, like paleo fanatics will like preach uh, you got to eliminate all these foods for hypothyroidism. It, and it's more so like when they eliminate those foods, they're forced to eat a ton of these paleo foods. And when you eat a ton of these paleo foods, you're eating a ton of micronutrient dense foods. Mm-hmm. So you're eating more iodine, you're eating yeah. more vitamins and minerals, you're eating all these things that are really rich and easy to digest. And that's what causes the, the relief. Not the fact that you stopped eating rice, like it has nothing to do with that. Um, it's because you started eating all these other things. So typically with hypothyroidism, that's my go-to. It's like, hey, let's get some pink Himalayan salt in there, some iodized salt. Um, if you like seaweed, eat some seaweed. But um, there's a bunch of foods that are rich in uh, selenium, zinc, iodine. You can supplement them with them as well. Um, but the natural food route's fine. Dope. So, And then stress. Like people Some forget like, yeah, just get enough sleep and stress and, and manage stress. That alone will improve your thyroid health so much. It's crazy. But people neglect that. They're like, what do I need to cut out of my diet? I'm like, you need to sleep more than six hours a night. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. But what do I say? Got to stop eating. It's like, dude, no supplement, no nothing. Like just sleep and just manage your stress. Hire me as a coach. <laughs> uh, cool. Yeah. That's good advice. Um, all right. We got last question is from simply saves. Where to start for beginners nutrition courses? Um, I would say uh, the ones I would – if you're brand new into it, uh, I think NCI is really good because it's – like I I like PN. PN1 is really good, but it's a long course. I'm pretty sure PN1 is a year long. Or maybe that's a self-timed one. PN2 is a year long. I've done them both, but it was a long time ago. PN2 I know is a year long. Um, and there's no way around that. Like it's a year unless they change the formatting. Um, I think PN one might be like, uh, like a self paced, um, but precision nutrition, NCI, those are two really good ones. If you're like, I do want to commit a year and I just want to go all in and just learn as much as I can. MNU, uh, Mac nutrition university is probably one of the best out there. Um, it's a year long, extremely in depth, uh, user experience is really good. Um, and the qualifications are really high. So like you can be like, like a legally insured nutritionist by doing that. Um, uh, and that's, that's the most recent course that I did. Um, and I really like that. So yeah, I'll probably go. That one's for beginners. It can be. I mean, it depends where you're at as a beginner, you Um, know, like, I mean, cause there's some people that are beginners and they're only considering themselves a beginner because they've never coached anybody, Gotcha. but But they read, but their knowledge, their knowledge is there. They listen to podcasts every day. They read blogs every day. They, I mean, Sabra coached with me for months, so she understands, you know, so I don't think MNU would be too far. It's definitely more advanced, but it kind of builds up to that. Mm -hmm. Cause I know for me, the first, uh, I mean, I don't want to sound like an elitist. Like I knew most of what was in the course. Um, but that's also because I've studied for years and years and years. But the beginning of the course was much more like entry level shit, like energy balance. Yeah. What is calories? Sure. Why does that matter? Like, you know what I mean? What is health? And it's like, let's start slow. And then it builds you up. By the end of it, you're talking about advanced team sport nutrition and diabetes and shit like that. So, so. when do you become an elitist? <sighs> After a decade? Mm. I don't know. You got one more year? Yeah, one more year. Uh, I guess, you, I mean, you can look at the 10,000 uh, hours rule. Yeah. Have you heard of that? 
I heard uh, you and Theo talking about it. Mm. Yeah. Um, 10,000 hour rule is basically like they say that's what you need to put 10,000 hours of work in to become a yeah. master at your craft. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. And I've definitely done that. So yeah. like I know, but I, but I don't think like mastery is actually something that's possible. Yeah. You know, I think like. I think just, I just say that about you because you, from a ego standpoint, you don't want to say I'm an elitist. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. But. Well, and I, I know for me, I man. I know like, elitist means mastering. Is elitist is, is a very egotistical yeah. person. It's it's like I'm above you. Yes. Yeah. Mastery is definitely better. But I also think that mastery is something that's like a constant pursuit. Like I don't think you can ever get there. Um, that's why I even have trouble answering that question. That's why I don't think 10 out of 1,000 hour rules is right because like I don't need to go get more certifications. Infinite. Yeah. It, knowledge is infinite. Yeah. But I'm still going to go get more certs. Not be, to put letters behind my name, but just because I love the process of learning more, learning how to articulate things differently. I can learn the same fucking topic a million times, you but every the same topic. But exactly. Yeah. But every time I talk about it, it's in a different context and apl- applied to a different person. And every time I learn Agreed. about that topic from somebody else, they have a different context and application and use of that method, and that's uh, it's going to teach me more. Um, I don't think people look at it like that no. very often. Not many people. Not many people. But. Nope. You got a personality question for today? You said you were going to save it last time. Dude, I looked into them, dude. They're all the exact same. Like, favorite cereal, favorite, <laughs> favorite skateboard, favorite clock, favorite. <laughs> we should bring back, like, I need to bring back one for the guests, too. I used to do that I one know. all I th- the time. I thought about it, but. So I used to do the one at the dinner table, and it was like, all right, you got three empty the seats. Plane. The reason I stopped doing that one is because I was on the OPEX podcast, and he asked me that, and I was like, Motherfucker stole my thing. Yeah. He was like, oh, I've been doing this for a long time. And then, then I went back and listened to a bunch of old episodes. like, oh, shit. His name's Robbie. He's a good guy. And I was like, damn, you have been doing it for a long time, man. Maybe I stole it from you and I didn't realize it. Yeah. But um, but that was a good one. And then the plane one was good. The plane one's hard, though, because like, I, I thought about it more. It's like, okay, you're on a plane. You can pick two people to sit next to you and a book and uh, uh, an album. And the main reason is like, what's the one book you love? What's the one album you love? And then two people you want to sit next to you. Well, if I'm listening to the album, I can't read the book or talk to the people sitting next to me. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> record yourself. Like, what do you yeah. do? So I think I think we need to go back to the dinner table. Dude. I think that's a good one. I love that. Just want to talk to two people. Yeah. So, like, for you, you'd be sitting at a table, three people at the table. So it's a four-person table, you know, square. You're sitting in one chair. you got three chairs in front of you. Dude. You can choose anybody dead or alive, but they cannot be friends or family. And you get to choose your last meal. Well, it's not your last meal. You're not going to die. But <laughs> your look. Can I get back to you next week? <laughs> you got to choose one meal and the people. Oh, man. Who are the first people? That, what's the first meal that comes to mind? Lasagna. There you go. Dude, Made by who? So fire. Lasagna. So, Stouffer's? Yeah, Stouffer's. <laughs> lasagna is so bomb. I haven't had lasagna in years, Dude, man. Dude, there is a restaurant in Renton, an authentic Italian restaurant called Mariana's. Mm-hmm. I know exactly what you're talking about. Stupid fire. So good. Lasagna. Yeah, so good. Dude, they like bring it out to you in a, a skillet. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I've se- I haven't had lasagna there, but I've seen people get it. I've yeah. been there a couple times. I've been there a lot of times. Um, one of my meals that came to mind was actually, uh, I'm trying to get Shannon to do this for Father's Day. It's like, you know when you go to the fair and you get those turkey legs that are massive? Oh. Putting that in the Traeger and smoking it. Whoa. Yeah, I had them at Levensworth every time I go there too. for Worth. for uh, It's Levensworth. <laughs> Oh, is it? Levin's worth. It's not. Uh, are you sure? I mean, I won't argue on it, but I'm Might pretty be sure. Anyway, um, yeah. 
Yeah, but I get them there. When, I've gone to Oktoberfest three times there. Yeah. And I get them there almost every time. Yeah. Um, but I think I would probably go with my grandma's fried chicken. Yeah. Grandma's fried chicken with her pie afterwards. We've got to finish the pie. Fried chicken and pie on the same plate. Yeah. Fire. And her homemade biscuits. Everything my grandma cooks is fucking ridiculous. So that's the meal. Who am I ta- talking to? Three people? Three people. This Yeah, two-hour podcast. I can't, I'm not going to be able to. I'll give you maybe one or two. Uh, I mean, the most cliche answer is like Joe Rogan. Like I would just love to yeah. talk. To, I just love to talk to him. Like everybody gets the I feel like he knows the opportunity to go on his podcast and talk to him. Like he knows a lot, dude. And he talks. He's heard. He's heard so if many. He doesn't know. He has at least an educated uh, opinion. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. He has. I he, just love how much he gets to know about the guests before they come on. I know. Like, I, I'm like, where do you find the time? Yeah. That blows my mind. He's like, oh, I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu every day. I run with my dog. I go hunting. I sit in the float tank for an hour. I go in the sauna every day. I also podcast for three hours at a time every single day. And so I'm like, wait, Don't what? Do you have three kids? Yeah. What do you do? <laughs> and you're a stand-up comedian? Yeah. But he he goes to the comedy club at like midnight. Midnight. Yeah. yeah. So crazy. do you get six hours of sleep? I've been to the comedy club. Have you ever been there? No. In Hollywood? No. I, I saw uh, Dana Cook. Dana Cook? Yeah. Dane Cook? I thought his name was Dana. No. The actor? No, I'm thinking Dana White. Dana yeah, White. but Dane Cook, yeah. Dane Cook. Okay. Um used to be a really popular comedian. Yeah. I went absolutely. Year, years ago. He was I, actually hilarious. I went to him at the Tacoma Dome. Oh yeah? Yeah. Yeah, he's funny. Yeah. I saw him and the guy that opened up for him was uh he was on Grandma's Boy at do you have you seen that movie? No. Uh, have you seen Happy Gilmore? Yes. He was Happy Gilmore. He's one of the golf players that was like very like woosah, like oh. Kevin something. I can't remember. He's in a bunch of Adam Sandler movies. Oh, okay. I know who you mean though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that was hilarious. Okay. So, uh, Joe Rogan. Sure. Uh, Seth MacFarlane. <laughs> Family oh guy. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. I just want to laugh. <laughs> yes. For now. Oh my God. I don't want to learn anything. Seth MacFarlane. I'm sure he's smart. Oh, dude. Jeff Bezos. Mm. Did you see that thing? Mm-mm. There's a, I won't claim as a st- statistic, but I think I saw yesterday. He's gonna be a trillionaire. As of 2026, he's on track to be a trillionaire. Yeah, <laughs> he's the richest man in the world. Uh, well, yeah, dude. I saw a comment that said this guy's about to buy a country. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah, absolutely. His his ex wife to... is the richest w- yeah. woman in the world. Yeah. That's crazy. I, s- I sent that to Theo, and he, he goes, "He probably already can." Yeah, he probably can. Yeah. I mean, fucking Ronaldo bought an island for COVID-19. You see that? No. Because quarantine, yeah. he bought an island for his family to live on during quarantine. So they don't have to go into civilization. Yeah. It's How a, do they get It's a dope island in, like, Greece. It's yeah. like, what? Yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. Um, All right. So, yeah. Seth MacFarlane, Joe Rogan, and Jeff, Jeff Bezos. Bezos. I would say Elon Musk, too, but I really don't, like. I don't vibe with him. Yeah. He's weird. Yeah. Too much guy. Too much of a crazy nerd. Yeah. Okay. Not even that. I just think like he, he is on a completely different level. Yeah. Like, but in, Jeff Bezos in a different way is like revolutionizing, like, the world. Yeah. I think commerce, Jeff, like, yes, consumer markets, insane. Yes. That would be a hard one for me because I that I kind of want to would like to talk to him as well, but I definitely would put uh, you're gonna laugh, but Jesus Christ would be there. I mean, okay, probably the. Person I have the most questions for yeah. <laughs> out of anybody, oh um, so I'd, I'd love to sit with him. Um, I I feel like I would have to put the Rock there because he's just so successful and so motivating. Yeah, and I feel like if I could just take some of his charisma, yeah. like that would be good. 
Um, and then I'm, I'm fighting because part of me wants to put Kevin Hart there just because you got to have somebody that make you laugh. And he is actually – he's successful as hell. Yeah. But it would be funny to have him and The Rock together. Yeah. But then the, you said Jeff Bezos, and I was like – Dude, that's crazy. That would be a good one. So maybe I would do like The Rock, Jeff Bezos, and Jesus Christ. That's dope. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering, and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomformance.com slash sign dash up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at cody at boomboomperformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here, and I'll see you next time.